Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. They had all day like that. Well, hey, I want to welcome all of you, especially those of you who are joining us for the first time. So glad that you chose to be here with us. If you have just been checking us out in the past few weeks, you may be wondering, does this preacher ever, in fact, preach? And I want to tell you that I'm glad to be presenting the Word of God to you today. I've got a message that I think is going to bless you and going to help you. Uh, definitely happy Father's Day to all you dads. It's great to be a dad, and it's really my privilege uh, to get to speak to the dads in the house today. I, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but it seems like in churches, because I grew up in church, it seems like on Mother's Day, the message is always to the moms, like, Mom, you're amazing. We love you. You're so great. And then, like, Father's Day, it's like, Dad, you suck. What's wrong with you? You need to be better. And so I'm really glad we're going with this theme, You're the Best Pop, because really what's on my heart to do is just encourage you with who God has already called you to be, who you already are in Christ. I don't know if you know this, ladies, but as men, we do a lot better when we're affirmed. Uh, when, when we feel like we can't win, when we feel like uh, we're not making any headway, you know, well, we just want to take our ball and go home. But when we discover that we can do something and we're encouraged and we're affirmed and we see who God has called us to be, well, then we want to rise to that challenge and we want to rise to that calling. And so that's really what I want to do today is I, I want to encourage you dads and who God has called you to be. And uh, this message was really inspired by an exercise that I went through recently uh, with my coach. Now, that may seem kind of strange to some of you. Uh, one, that I would have a coach, or two, that I would even tell you about that. But I got to say a couple things about that. First of all, uh, you need to know that I really want to be exceptional at this, at pastoring. Like, this isn't just like a hobby for me. This isn't just like a gig. It's not like I couldn't do anything better. Like, I feel that God has really called me to do this. This is God's call in my life. And so I want to give everything I have to be exceptional. I believe that God wants us to, to lead a church that is going to change a city and change a nation and change the world. And I think it can happen right here in Lawrence, Kansas. I believe that God cares about your life and I want to see you fulfill God's plan for your life. And so that's why I do that. The other thing though is, is we all need voices in our life. That's why everybody needs a pastor. That's why everybody needs a leader in their life. That's why everybody needs a father. We, we need a sister or brother. We need a coach or mentor. We need people in our life who can encourage us and who can affirm us. I hope that's one of the reasons you come here is because you know you're gonna get God's word and through me, God's gonna speak to you and he's gonna help you with what you're going through. So uh, I have this coach and he was uh, having me go through this exercise of really crafting a mission statement for just some of the different values in my life. And some of them be obvious. There are nine of them. I won't give them all to you, but some are obvious, like, you know, my spiritual life, what, what that's supposed to look like, or uh, my marriage. What, what, what's the mission for that? What's, what's the goal? What's that supposed, what do I want that to look like? Or my ministry, what, what's, that, what's that goal? What's that look like? What's that mission? And one of them uh, he had was what parenting, with parenting, what's, What's the mission statement for that? What, what kind of parent do you want to be? What kind of dad do you want to be? So I was thinking about this, what kind of dad I want to be. I came across this verse, and I want to share it with you today. This is going to be the basis for my message. It's in Psalm 112, and 
I'm just going to read the first four verses, then I'm going to jump to a part of verse 6. This is what it says from the New Living Translation. It says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. I love that. I read that's like, that's my children successful everywhere. All right, let's go with that. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy. Hello. And their good deeds will last forever. And I don't know if this is true for every man, but I think it's in general true for every person is that we want our lives to matter. We want our lives to make a difference. We want our lives to be significant. We want to be a part of something that's going to outlast us. And the truth is there's so many things in our life that don't last. But there is one thing that is for sure to outlast us. It's the investment that we make in our children. Uh, Verse 4 says, Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. And if there's three qualities I want my kids to have, absolutely I'd put those three at the top. Generous, compassionate, and righteous. Verse 6 says, Those who are righteous will be long remembered. So again, let me read this verse to you one more time. Just verse 2 is what I want to focus on. It says, Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. So I read that and I was like, man, that's a great verse. I I mean, I want my kids to be successful everywhere. I'm going to write that down. I got a scripture for it. Come on, somebody. But as I got to thinking about it a little bit more deeply, what I realized is we're going to have to define success a little bit. Because the way culture defines success for our kids or for our parenting is a lot different than how the Bible would define success. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, the culture would define success. In fact, this is what, what culture says success is as a parent. Culture will tell you that success as a parent is raising well-rounded, well-educated, and happy kids. Now, that sounds really good. In fact, I'm not sure that I'm against, I mean, how many, if I just said, how many of you want to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. I think as parents, most of us, our our hands would go up, right? That that sounds good. But as I got thinking a little more deeply about it, here's what I realized. Let's just take the first one, well-rounded. You know, even the goal in my own life is not to be well-rounded. I I just told, I, I hired a coach to be exceptional as a pastor. I wanna be exceptional at the thing that God has put in my path. I want to be exceptional to the gift that God has given. I want to give it my all and give it my My goal is not to be well-rounded. My goal is to be exceptional with what God has given me. Even as a boss, because you recognize we have employees here at this church and we have a team of people that we lead. My goal isn't to hire well-rounded people. I mean, as a boss, I want to hire people who are exceptional in their gifts, exceptional in their skills. I want to hire, I want people who working with me and for me who are exceptional with the things that I need them to lead, not well-rounded people. So well-rounded then, that, that's not really the goal. How about well-educated? Well, obviously, education is a great goal. I do want my kids to be well-educated. Both my wife and I have our degrees. We believe and value education. I think education is great. But if we hold education at the pinnacle, if your kids graduate at the top of their class, and yet 
they're not following and pursuing Jesus, we've missed the point. If we place the value of education above a life that is following and pursuing God, we've missed out on what the real goal is. Education's important, but, but it's not the main thing. How, how about happy kids? I mean, I think every parent wants their kids to be happy. But can I tell you, our culture bows down and worships at the altar of happiness. Our culture places happiness above all else, which is why people are in such a state they're in sometimes. Man, if you're not happy in your marriage, then the ultimate is just be happy. Get out of it and find another one. If you're not happy at your job, just ditch it and find another one. You know, the problem is, is that God never said, be happy as I am happy. He said, be holy as I am holy. And so the goal isn't to be happy. The, the goal is to pursue Jesus. And the byproduct of that is a life full of joy, a life full of peace, a, a life full of contentment. That's the byproduct. of The goal is pleasing God and, and following God. So, so culture will say, you know, you should raise your kids to be well-educated, to be well-rounded, and to be happy. But, you know, Jesus said, if you gain the entire world, and lose your soul, what's that to you? What, what, what's it worth to you? So obviously, we need a different definition of success, and I'm just kind of inviting you into my mindset as I was going through this, what is the goal for me as a parent? What, what do I want this to look like? What's the mission? And so uh, I wanna share with you today what I wrote down, and if you like it, you can take it, and you can make this your mission as a parent, as a dad today. And uh, it's this idea, what are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus? For, for those who believe that we're called to be the light of the world, what is success as a dad? What's it look like for us? Here's what I wrote down. That we're called to raise up Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. We're called to raise up Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. Raise up, what I mean, it means that we're called to elevate them. They should stand on our shoulders, not tear them down, not remind them how they don't measure up. We're called to raise them up. Christ-centered, meaning that he is first and he is at the center of everything in our life. Biblically anchored, that means that we're not swayed by the ideas or the values of culture, but that we have a firm foundation that's planted in God's word. World changers, here's the thing I believe is that God has given all of us supernatural gifts and he has placed us in this point in history to make an impact on the world. I believe that with my whole heart. So I hope you let that sink into your soul because when I say, hey, we're called to raise up Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers, the truth is, I gotta imagine a lot of you are probably a lot like me on some weeks where you're thinking, okay, that's great, pastor, but I'm just doing my best to get my kids every place that they need to go. Like, I'm glad that you have time to sit down and think of these things, but for me, like, I've gotta get my kids to soccer practice, I gotta keep my responsibilities done at work, I gotta make sure that the home is taken care of. I'm just trying not to punch myself in the face by the time the day is over. I'm glad this works for you, but you gotta understand, I've got a busy life. And to that, I would tell you, look, I understand. I, I've been there. We, we have four kids. Anybody have four kids in this house? Anybody have more than four, five kids? Do I hear five kids? Six, six, okay. 
Our six kids, we need to pray for these people right now. Can we just stretch forth our hand and bless these people? Because, you know, let's take up an offering, really. Because, I mean, when you have four kids, five kids, six, it gets crazy. I don't really think four kids is that much, but I, I think maybe in culture some people do. Because, like, some people are like, man, you must really love kids. No, I just love my wife. And the result of that <laughs> is children. Um, it's funny, because, like, people start looking at you weird when you have more than three kids. Have you noticed, like, you stop getting invited places just by the number of kids that you have. Some, by the time we had Pippa, she's our, she's our fourth and our last, people said, you know what causes that, right? And I said, yes, and we are unwilling to give it up. It is an important part of our lives. The, the truth is, the truth is, Marissa just won't leave me alone. I tell her all the time, look, you gotta understand, I'm a person, I have a heart, I'm soul, I'm not just a body, but she just, she just, you know, I beg her all the time, hey, can we cuddle tonight? Can we just talk? I just wanna be held, but you know, she has needs and as a husband, I just have to meet those needs. So I'm just trying to tell you that I understand as a parent, it can feel like there is, I said, can I believe anything this guy says? I don't know. I'm so, as a parent, it, it's a challenge. I mean, when you have kids, it just changes. Like how many of you don't have kids? Raise your hand if you don't have kids. Okay, I wanna ask you a question. Those of you who don't have kids, when you wanna go somewhere, what do you do? See, I hate you. Already. I mean, I love you with the love of the Lord, but I hate this part about you because, like, when you have little kids in the house, if you want to be somewhere Tuesday at noon, you start getting ready Sunday night. How many of you can say amen to that? Like, you just do. Like, it is a challenge just getting all of your kids gathered in one place when you have four kids. Like, I try and gather my kids. I'm like, okay, is everybody ready? Why isn't your shoes on? Do you have underwear on? Okay, is it on the right way this time? Have you taken a bath? Okay, of course you haven't taken a bath. Have you at least taken one this month? That'll do for this time. All right, we only got three. We're missing one. Is it one we can leave behind? I don't know. Is it an important one? I don't know. We just try to, like, get our kids. It's a challenge. But I just bring it up because when I say we're called to raise up Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers, thinking you have no idea what, what it's like being a parent. You have no idea what it's like. I'm just trying to do the best I can. I'm just saying this idea... It's overwhelming. But what I want to do in our time today is I want to make it really simple for you. And I'm going to give you three things, dads, that I believe any dad can do who is a follower of Jesus. And I believe this is going to help all of you today uh, that we can do uh, to help our kids in this area. Because I believe if you apply this, what I'm going to share with you, you will see your kids fall more in love with Jesus. I absolutely believe that. And Really where this comes from is something that God has been teaching me, and it's really about exposure. What we expose our kids to will help determine who they become. This is probably the greatest thing God has been teaching me about leadership this year. It's this idea of what you expose people to helps determine what they will become. Why do you think we just did a series called Book Club where I was exposing you to different voices and different pastors. The last two weeks, I, I showed a video of other pastors preaching. Why? Because what you expose people to will help determine what they become. This is, this is the truth. Some things are caught more than they're taught. There's some things you can't explain. They just have to be experienced. And this is true whether you're a boss, a leader, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a dad, what you expose your children to will help determine what they become. 
And so I want to give you three simple things that we can expose our kids to as fathers. And because uh, we got to admit, like, our children are exposed to the wrong influences all day long. I mean, just by nature of living in this world, they're going to be exposed to uh, a world that is materialistic. They're going to be exposed to a world that's prejudiced. They're going to be exposed to a world that is overly sexualized. They're going to be exposed to peer pressure and temptation. Just by nature of being alive, they're going to be exposed to the wrong things and negative influences by default. So we have to make a conscious effort as parents, as dads, to expose our kids to the right things. Proverbs 13.20 says this, that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. See, if we expose them to the right things, then I believe God will create the right environment for them to fall more in love with Jesus. Because the truth is, I mean, you can't force anybody to love God. I mean, let's be real, it just doesn't work. You try and force somebody to love God, they're gonna resist it, they're gonna be rebel against that. But what we can do is expose them to the right people, the right environment, the right things. And I believe God will use that uh, to create in them a love for Jesus. So what's the first thing that we can expose them to? I would tell you that we can expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. We can expose them to the joy of a personal relationship with God. Jesus said in John chapter 17 that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. See, I, I want my kids to know what it looks like to know God. Not what church looks like, not, not, not to know about God. I want my kids to know what it looks like to know God. And, and there's a difference. And I want to make that distinction because, see, sometimes... And we think knowing God means that you're religious. But religion is empty. Religion is tradition. Religion is going through the motions. And I'm convinced that our children and our kids and our teenagers, that they're not rejecting Christ. They're rejecting dead, empty religion. You know, one of the greatest gifts my dad ever gave me was that he modeled for me what a relationship with God looks like. I'm very thankful and privileged to have my dad here, not in this service, I don't think, but here with me for Father's Day. And a little bit about my dad, he was a Methodist pastor, been, in, been a pastor as long as I can remember. But the thing with my dad, he, he didn't have to practice what he preached, he just preached what he lived. He, he just modeled for me what a relationship with God looks like. And what I can tell you is that I have two sisters, one brother. Now they're not all, I'm the only pastor. They're not all in ministry. That's why I'm my parents' favorite. But, <laughs> but all of us are serving God. Everybody's fault. Why? Because he modeled what a relationship with God looks like. So, okay, that's one thing for you to say, pastor, but, but how do we do that? How do we expose our kids to the joy of a personal relationship with God? Well, I would tell you there's lots of different ways. But one thing I wanna tell you you can do, very simply, is to credit God for every blessing in your life. It's a very simple thing. This is a good spiritual practice and discipline anyway. Scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from God, who's above. Every good thing in your life, God is a giver, God is a good God. The good things that happen in your life 
are the result of his blessing in your life. It, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that you have clothes, all of those things, the fact that you're making money at your job, whatever it is, any good thing that comes in your life, that's a result of the blessing of God. And so one thing you can do, dads, is whenever something good happens to you, whenever something good happens to your family, say, look how good God is to us. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to preach a sermon. Just when there's a blessing that comes into your life, kids, man, look, look how good God is. Look, look how God has blessed us. This is something that my wife and I strive to do, and it's become, it's a natural part of our lives. This past year, we had the opportunity to go to Disneyland. It's our first time uh, taking a big vacation like this as a family, took our kids to Disneyland. First time we went as a family. And uh, we got there, stayed at the Disneyland Hotel, did all of that stuff. And, and while we got there, before we ever went, our kids were all excited, you know, seeing Mickey and Goofy and all the characters. I, I said, we're in our hotel, and I said, guys, and look how good God is. This is one of the blessings of serving. Isn't it great that we get to do this? This is a blessing of God. And what I did, I simply connected the goodness of God with something that was good in their life. We do this all the time. You know, my wife is the master celebrator. She loves to go big on holidays and birthdays, and Christmas is one of them. And so, you know, around the Christmas tree, it's just like Christmas explosion, and there's all these presents, and we love to do that. That's just part of our thing at our house. But rather than just try to preach a sermon to him, say, hey, look how good God is. And isn't God good? Of course, he, great, he gave us the greatest gift, Jesus. But all these presents, this is the blessing of God. God is a giver. Look how good God is. Have friends over, or they're playing outside, or they're playing with toys. Look how good God is to us. Man, isn't God good? And what we've done is we've simply connected the good things in this life to the giver of every good thing, our Heavenly Father. What I noticed, though, is lots of times parents, they get it backwards. They, they, they try to guilt their kids into gratitude. But you should be grateful. You know, there's lots of kids that don't have half the stuff you have. You better eat that. You know, there's kids in China that would love to have this food you have. And so we end up trying to guilt our kids into a behavior. But can I tell you, Guilt is a horrible way to lead people. Guilt is a horrible way to parent. Instead of trying to guilt your children, just connect the goodness of God with the blessing in their life. I'm not telling you that you don't need to, you know, bring correction, correct them. But I'm saying let's connect the blessing of God with the good things in our life. Another thing you can do is to help them know God through his word and experiencing the, his power and his presence through prayer. If we want our kids to have a personal relationship with God, then prayer should just be an ongoing part of our life. And I think a lot of times, men in particular have trouble with this. You're like, look, pastor, I, just, I don't pray that much personally. The last thing I can do is lead a prayer meeting at my house. But I wanna free you up a little bit, men. Because my wife and I, we don't, we don't hold prayer meetings at our house. I'm not saying we never have, I'm not saying we never will, but I'm just saying what we've learned to do is just pray as needed often. That's what we do. And so whenever somebody's hurting, we pray then. When somebody has a need, we pray right then. When somebody needs to make a decision and they're unsure, we pray right then. When something good happens, in the world, we stop and we pray by thanking God right then. We don't hold long prayer meetings, but we just pray as needed 
often. I look for opportunities to invite my kids to pray. When we see an ambulance run past our car, we say, hey, let's pray for that person real quick or let's pray for that situation. You know, when, when we discover that somebody's struggling, we say a prayer for them. When somebody falls down and injures himself, happens a lot at our house with three boys, we, we pray for them right then and there. We just teach our kids to pray. And, and I wanna like help you with this because I don't want you to get this idea that like we're praying for an hour or we're interceding for world leaders. That's not how, it happens at our house exactly like it happens at your house. It's crazy, it's chaotic. Most of the time, it's probably not very holy. There's people talking, their eyes aren't closed, they're yelling, there's fighting going on half the time. But what am I doing? We're just exposing them to the power and the presence of God through prayer, and we're learning to pray together. And when God answers a prayer, guess what we do? Look how good God is. L look at how God has blessed us. He's answered our prayer. So that's what we do with prayer. We do the same thing with God's word. Well, you know, we, we don't have a rule in our house about reading the Bible. Well, it's, if, if we just have rules, what's that gonna do? That's, that's gonna create rebellion. That's gonna create resentment. Rules without a relationship will always do that. So what do we do? You say, okay, I, I just have to model it, right? We, we, we bring it into our everyday life. I want my kids to see that I need God. I want my kids to see that, that he guides me, that I rely on him, that he's my source, that he comforts me when I'm hurting, that he corrects me when I'm off the path, that he guides me into righteousness. That's, that it's not something that we have to do. It's not something that I do because I'm a pastor, it's just part of life. It's who we are, we're Christ followers. We bring God's word into our life. And the truth is, if they don't ever see it in you, you can never expect them to follow it. They've gotta see it in you. It's not about having a rule, it's just you gotta model, you gotta expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. The second thing I wanna tell you is to expose them to the presence and the power of God in his church. And if you would just allow me, can I just tell you, you have a great church to expose them to the power and the presence of God. You, you really do. You've got, a, you've got a church that wants to celebrate dads and make it fun and, and elevate dads and lift them up. You've you got a great church. And what I love about being part of this church is that this is a church that values participation. This is a church that, that values coming together. You know, how anyone could ever say, I love God, I just don't love the church, that is beyond me. That, that's like somebody coming up to me and saying, hey, pastor, I like you, I just don't like your wife. Dude, we're not gonna be friends. I'm about to commit a felony right now, if you're not careful, right? It just doesn't work that way. So uh, how, how you could say that is beyond me. The, the, the fact of the matter is, we're called, we're, we are incomplete without the fellowship of God and other believers in our life. Well, we are, one thing I love about our church is, is we're one church, but we're meeting in two different locations, in buildings that we don't own. It just drives home the point that the church is not a place that we go to. The church is not a physical structure. The church is not a built, the church is the people of God. And we need to be around each other and we need to help one another. And I love the church 
and my family loves the church, it's not because I'm a pastor. When I'm, pre when I'm not preaching, guess what? My family wants to go to church. Why? Because it's not just a part of our life, it is our life. It's not just like a slice of pizza of and life, the pizza is our whole life. No, this thing is the crust. Like the, the, it's what our life is built on. It, it, it's not just a section, we just partition it. No, uh, this is our whole life. And when your kids begin to experience the power and the presence of God like that in church, it transforms them. And what we need to understand as parents is that any time we say to our kids, hey, do you wanna to go to church this weekend? It's one of the most dangerous things you could ever say. Why? Because there's so many things in life that aren't optional. I mean, do we ever tell our kids, hey, do you wanna to go to school today? Hey, do you wanna to go to the soccer game or you wanna let your teammates down? Hey, do you wanna to go to dance or do you just wanna like slack out? You better go to dance. I pay a lot of money for you to go to, you better get a scholarship at the end of this. You better dance your little booty off as much of that costs. There's so many things in life that aren't optional. And yet so many times we say, hey, do you wanna to go to church this weekend? Let me just tell you something about, about this. If you overrule church for other things, but never overrule other things for the church, you're sending a message. Well, it's pretty weekend, so let's stay home from church. Well, it's raining today, so let's stay home from church. Well, we were up late last night, I'm kind of tired, so let's stay home from church. Well, we got a game this weekend, so let's stay home from church. Well, you know, next weekend is a big weekend, so let's stay home from church. Anytime, listen parents, if you only overrule church for other things and never overrule other things for the church, you are sending a message. You gotta own it, you gotta own it. We're followers of Jesus. We, we go to church. This is what we do. I believe we have something to bring. I believe we have a part to play. Church would be incomplete without us. I wanna go there to worship God. I wanna sit in front, I wanna be in God's presence so that I can be filled and equipped to be unleashed on the world. I believe I've got something to give. I believe I've got something to serve. We're gonna go to church. This is who we are. We go to Velocity. We are Christ followers. This is what we do. We are biblically anchored. This is who we are. This is what it means to be a Christian. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. We're gonna expose them to the presence and power of God in this church. And this is the last one. I'm gonna close with this. We're gonna expose them to the thrill of being used by God. When, you're, when you see your kids recognize that God just used them to make a difference, that's a game changer. That, that is a game changer. And what I love about our church is we're actually equipping the next generation to see that God can use them to make a difference. Why? Because we believe as a church, we have a mission to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. And so what I love about our church is that we're equipping the next generation. If you'll allow me, I just wanna share a little bit about some of the kids that are making a difference. And really God first opened my eyes up to this through my own son. And I wanna share something about him, but I wanna share about your kids. Uh, about a month ago, whenever he graduated from 
or from fifth grade. I still think that's so dumb. Graduated from fifth grade. Anyways, my, my oldest son, Reese, graduated from fifth grade. And right after his graduation, we were driving. And he said, Dad, you know, now that I've graduated from the fifth grade, I think it's time for me to stop going to kids' church and for me to start serving in the church. Now, he said that. I didn't tell him. This is all him. I'm like, okay, well, you know, start talking. Where do you want to do that? Where do you? And he, he's into video games and computers and all that stuff. So he's up there right now running the slides. So if there's a mistake, it's his fault. And, uh, and uh, so, so he's, he's doing that. And we, we just kicked off a book club, and he's been shadowing and doing some of that stuff. And, and we did that book. I opened it with that book by Pastor Craig Rochelle, Divine Direction. And that little punk heard me say that if you graduated, you can grab a book. And so he thought, oh, I graduated from fifth grade. So he just grabbed a book. And he's been reading this fifth grader, you know, going to be sixth grade, is reading this book by Pastor Craig Rochelle called Divine Direction. And he's been going through it. And not just has he been shadowing, but now he's going through growth track. And he's, he's got one more to go through today. And he's discovering the unique ways that God has made him. And he's discovering how he can make a difference. This is a, this is a fifth grader, soon, or soon to be sixth grader. It's not just my son. I, I think about little Charlie Jones. I don't know if you know Charlie Jones. I think he's, he's going to be going into uh, kindergarten or first grade. How with our blessed back offering that we do, at the end of every year, we, we have a big offering. That little guy, because his parents have exposed him to the thrill and the joy of putting God first and honoring God with our giving. For our blessed back offering, I think the kid broke his piggy bank. This little five-year-old brought like $20 to give in the blessed back to make a difference in the lives of, what little kid does that? Not my kids. His parents have exposed him to the joy of giving and being, how about, I'm, I'm looking at Jordan Contreras who's sitting here on the front row, how when they started serving, right? She, was, she serves in our, she's going into high school. She's in, uh, wasn't eighth grade, going to ninth grade. When, when, when she was serving, her parents were like, hey, well, you're serving at the 11 o'clock, so we'll go to the 11 o'clock. Well, you're serving at the 9.30, so we'll go to the 9.30. Finally, she had to smack some sense into her parents say, hey, like, I, I love serving, but I want to go to church too. I love being in God's presence. Not just that, but on her birthday, she was uh, scheduled to serve, and her parents were like, well, hey, do you, do you want us to you know, block you off for that date, or, or do you want to not serve? What better way could I, what better thing to be doing than to be serving God on my birth, to be in God's house? Now, I just heard there's, there's uh, Jackson, he's, he serves at the West Campus. He, he's in high school. He's part of the launch team. Every, him and his mom had not uh, been part of the team, but they signed up to be part of the launch team. Nearly every weekend, he started being part of the production, never done it before but I was talking to his mom last week and how he has just come alive and really started owning the, just the production part of it. And it's been so exciting and he looks forward to it. And it's all because parents have exposed them to the thrill of serving God. I, I just wanna tell you parents, there are no greater things that we can do 
to expose our kids to the joy of knowing God personally, expose our kids to the power and presence of God in his church and to expose them to the thrill of being used by God. You do that for your kids, it changes them. And so, fathers, I want you to understand, you have an amazing calling to raise up Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers, not just well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids, that's great, but your calling is so much greater than that. Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. And don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Don't let anybody tell you that you won't. Don't let anybody tell you that it's too hard. The reality is if you want your kids to see a father in God, then let them see God in their father. 